I don't see any American dream, I see an American nightmare. We never initiate any violence upon anyone, but if anyone attacks us, we reserve the right to defend ourselves. When you're in your own nation, in your own land, you're in a position to get justice. But when you're in another man's country, in another man's land, you have to look for that other man for justice, and you'll never get it. We're nonviolent with people who are nonviolent with us, but we are not nonviolent with anyone who is violent with us. Anytime you beg another man to set you free, you will never be free. We are ready and willing to pay the price that is necessary for freedom. What price are you talking about? The price of freedom is death. Welcome to Make It Plain, a show where two Christians offer reflections on the words and life of Malcolm X. I'm Philip Holmes. And I'm Taylor Gray. We're your hosts. All right, before we dive into this week's episode, we still need you to do a few things. If you haven't done them already, visit our website, makeitplain.co, and download the Make It Plain Season 1 discussion guide. So we have summaries as well as a few discussion questions to help you dive deeper into the Make It Plain metaverse. (laughs) Metaverse. (laughs) Yeah, I like it. And if you have been listening for a few episodes or if you listened last season and you have not rated us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please do that as soon as possible. Mm. Our goal is to have 300 total ratings by the end of the season on Apple Podcasts and at least 100 ratings on Spotify. You can now rate podcasts on Spotify, just in case you didn't know. If you didn't know, now you know. So please go and do that. That makes a huge difference. Yes, sir. It is very important. It's something that matters. So please do participate. uh, Leave a comment. Tell us how you feel. We're going to keep the the train going. All right. Taylor, you want to... Yes. Take us there. Yes. All right. We've got a good one today. And this quote, I think is going to give us some really good conversation. So Malcolm says this, you don't stick a knife in a man's back nine inches and then pull it out six inches and say you're making progress. If you stick a knife in my back nine inches and pull it out six inches, there's no progress. If you pull it out all the way, then that's still not progress. Progress is healing the wound that the blow made, and they haven't even pulled the knife out, much less heal the wound. They won't even admit that the knife is there. Yo. Deep, bro. What you think, man? What's what's your first impressions when you hear something like that? Facts. <laughs> Facts only, yes. Facts. <laughs> You know, I think this was actually the quote that inspired progress does not equal justice that we have, because I think that problem is, is that America never really tried to, there was no transitional justice. There was no repair of what had been done wrong. It was, they they kind of took some obvious laws, right? That were on the book. Right. You know, we oftentimes talk about the difference between the North and the South, right? And what Malcolm was, even though people pit Malcolm and Martin against each other, the media did. The reality is, is that what King was fighting for and what Malcolm was fighting for were very different because you got to remember, Malcolm didn't live in Jim Crow South. Right. Um, so him being able to drink out of the same fountains and right, right. and go to desegregated schools like Malcolm like went to a white school when, when he was in, I think, junior high or something like that. So Malcolm already knew that there were going to be bigger problems once something like the Civil Rights Bill was passed, the Civil Rights Act was passed, 
And and so Malcolm is always pushing because he's saying, listen, what you what you're doing is fine, but this man is not fighting the battle that is going to change anything for people in the North. Because again, in the South, King talks about this in his famous NBC interview, which you can also find a transcript of that uh, interview on makeitplain.co, by the way. But King talks about this in this interview. He says, listen, when the Civil Rights uh, Act was passed, people in the South could see a difference in their day-to-day life, right? They're like, yo, like... We can drink out of this fountain now where we can go in here and eat and not have to worry about anything. Right. But we can vote. Right. Right. (laughs) Right? So, so they saw all these differences. Malcolm is like, right. That didn't do nothing for us. Right. Right. Things are still hard. Racism still exists. Injustices are still taking place. Right. And, And I think this is partially what he's getting at here. It's like, you can't, again, you can't, and it makes, and this illustration, man, this imagery that Malcolm uses, right. Is on point. Yes. Because yes. because he's trying to get you to see it's not enough for you to stab a man in the back and take it out nine inches. Yep. No, you got to take it all the way out. And he was like, and even then, you ain't done. Got to address you gotta get that man. You got to get that man to the hospital, dress the room, wound it, get him healed. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You can't just say, oh, stab you in the back, take it out. Oh, man, I'm sorry I did that. Yeah. I won't do it again. Yeah. Right? And then yeah. move on. No, because that has had an effect. That has yeah. harmed him. Yes, that's right. And and I think even it, it to, to kind of take the illustration to, you know, another another conclusion is to, to say, all right, I'm going to take the knife out a few inches and then I'm going to wait for you to give me a round of applause. Right. You know, right. Right. Uh, right. aren't you happy? Right. You know, like it's, it doesn't hurt right. as much as it did. Right. So I want you to give me credit for making your pain a little bit less. Right. But at the at the same time, I'm like, this thing is still literally protruding my skin. Right. And even as it comes out all the way, like I'm bleeding in front of you. And I don't, I, man, like this, this idea of, of justice is kind of the, the fullest extent of what we can deem progress to be, you know? And I think folks who have different definitions of progress, less painful for, for some is progress in and of itself. The the whole idea, the whole concept of civil rights, you know, I don't know if we can look at civility in the same context as love, you know, or in the same context as kindness or gentleness. And, you know, you go down the, the fruits of the spirit, as it were, like peace, you know, civility seems kind of sterile, you know, in the midst of all, it doesn't really require much of you except to just be somewhat decent and really for some people that's just like holding your breath you know like I won't say anything to hurt you even more you know I'll do whatever I can to just make sure we survive this moment Mm -hmm. and so if you think that's progress Mm -hmm. then you you have no you have no interest in actually making it right yeah I mean because this this bro this illustration is just on point because think about it. All right. Let's say somebody stabs you in the back. Right. Mm-hmm. And then they are, they're also holding you captive. Right. Mm-hmm. And then let's say they take the knife out and then they say, all right, I'm going to set you, I'm going to basically take off your chains. I'm going to take the knife out your back and then I'm going to, you're free to go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. You're free. To go. I feel like, I feel like that's, at, that's probably what America has done. Right. So now you bleeding and lipping, trying to get to the hospital, 
You also got once you get to the hospital, right? You also got medical bills. Facts. If you if you make it, if you make if it. you make it, right? Yeah. So that's gonna cost money. You might have to wait to get seen. Who would say that that man is a good man for taking the knife out of your back and letting you free? It's it's just like okay, again, we're we're back to the scriptures. What if this example traveled to the Good Samaritan? Mm-hmm. You know, like the guy's laying on the ground, beat up and wounded. And it's like, oh, yeah, um, you know, let me let me at least wash off this this particular part of clothing that's dirty. You know, hey, hope hope everything works out for you, buddy. And I keep it keep it pushing, you know, or I'm going to put some ice on this bruise for this moment, you know, but I don't know how you're going to make it the rest of the journey, but I'll see you later. You know, there's this kind of partial addressing of the actual situation. The revolutionary perspective of the Good Samaritan parable is that this is what restitution, this is what it actually means to address the wound. This is what it actually means to help the person who's in the actual circumstance. And it takes a lot of effort, takes a lot of sacrifice, but ultimately what's being extended is love, revolutionary love. And, and, here, and here's the here's what's so so revolutionary about that: the the good Samaritan is not even the person who caused the harm in the first place. Well, yeah, that's the offense. That's right? that's the offense of the audience, and they're just. But like, no, but I think the reason why that's so applicable in our in our day and age is because most people would say, "Well, I wasn't there. I ain't do nothing." We don't fully grasp what has been done. Mm-hmm. both historically to the African-American community, both publicly, right? We know about slavery, right? And we know about Jim Crow laws and various injustices that took place. Like, because we just talk about slavery and Jim Crow, like these are two high points, right? But right. stuff was happening the entire right. time. The right. only reason right. we even, Jim Crow is noticeable, right, is because people spoke out and said, right. we ain't going to take this, you know, no more, right? right? Yep. We, we want to we be free. We want to be treated equally. But there's also the other stuff that is taking place covertly through the federal government with the FBI. I mean, when you look at what the FBI has been involved in, especially under the leadership of J. Edgar Hoover mm-hmm. and the stuff that he got away with. My wife and I just watched Judas and the Black Messiah. Okay. Bro. Fred Hampton. I didn't know. I did not know that brother's story. I was also appalled just angry when I found out that this brother was 21 years old. 21, man. 21. And headed in a direction to to address I mean this this kind of universal effect of injustice. That was his trajectory. It was it was universal. It was power to the people was was not just a a rallying cry to uh, animate black folks. It was a rallying cry to animate marginalized members of society across the board. And I think it's such a tragedy in the sense that, you know, you get to kind of see the priorities of the American system. You know, it's not about any sort of equitable uh, experience in this country, you know, and it's to say (laughs) that this group of people can actually have their wounds addressed is going to cause 
other groups of people wounds. That's the, that's the fear, the, at least the tactics of fear is to say, oh, if these people are, are feeling better or feeling more empowered, then it's going to put these other folks who have not ever had to care about this stuff at risk and their lifestyle is going to be uh, ultimately, they're, they're going to suffer in some sort of way. So that's the impetus behind silencing a voice like that. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, Malcolm in the in the very same way was was a voice that was being um, surveilled by the FBI because he was actually starting to to galvanize people around the ideas that they don't have to suffer anymore and they can actually lay claim to a part of this American system that has ultimately been inaccessible to them. Mm-hmm. You know, and this this baseline level of dignity is, you know, maybe the first pursuit. How about you look at this knife that's in my back <laughs> and acknowledge as a human being that that's not okay. Right. You know, for a person to literally have a knife nine inches into their back. So your, 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 I guess your capacity for compassion, love, caring for another individual is on display. To say, oh, you know what? I want to help. So what it looks like for me to help is take it out a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, the entire illustration just kind of points to the inhumanity mm-hmm. of the of the black experience in this country is to say, we actually are okay with you suffering. Right. We're okay with you having to make your own way, even though we can clearly see the damage that's been done. And I didn't even know, you know, I didn't even think about going this direction, but I'd be interested to get some of your thoughts on this because I guess maybe we're, we're, we're going to get into a little bit of trouble as we kind of continue through this content. But Man, we're back to this whole discussion around CRT. And a lot of what you said earlier had to do with the lack of education, mm-hmm. whether or not people know truly what black people in this country have been through. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, the whole conversation gets derailed when you just mention those three unholy letters, yep. CRT. Oh, don't worry about it. That's not of of Christ. That is an anti-gospel mm-hmm anti-holiness, anti-salvation message. Mm-hmm. It's all condemnation, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. That's the boogeyman. But what about the opportunity to educate the new generations in society about the experience of black people? Yeah. Maybe not call it CRT, you know, critical race theory in and of itself just seems like it just derails the whole conversation, but in more of an expansive educational opportunity to deal with what has happened in this country. Yeah. So a few few thoughts on that. I think that anytime a person or a particular thing is painted as all bad, mm-hmm. don't engage it, don't study it, mm-hmm. run from it, somebody's hiding something. Yeah. Yep. Somebody's hiding something. That's one. Yep. Number two, I think that when it comes to CRT, we're not going to... The purpose of CRT isn't for you to understand CRT, going back to point one. That's why it's not going to really matter what you call it. Yeah. Right? Because they're going to label it as CRT, whatever it is. So it's it's gotten to the point where they are, like, if you had told me 10 years ago that in the next decade, Republicans were going to be for book banning. Man. I would have said, I I probably just wouldn't have believed you. I don't know if I would have, like, fought, like, because I don't think I was ever that die hard, but I've been like, nah, I don't see that happening. 
right? But I began to see that values mm. are only as useful as they are convenient or comfortable or are only deployed when they're convenient. The Republicans have shown me that their values will move mm. whenever it's politically expedient. Mm. And so Republicans, some Republicans, many Republicans today, now you got these individuals talking about book, banning books, afraid that they're losing their children because of these ideas instead of teaching them to engage the ideas and learn so that you can actually be persuasive in your arguments because in order to actually be persuasive, persuasive, you have to make sure that you understand what the other person is communicating so that you can represent it accurately. And then, you know, but it's as if that they're afraid that the kids are going to learn the truth, mm-hmm. right? The truth. The truth. So with them banning history books and with them not wanting to talk to their kids about racism, just racism in the past, not even racism today, racism in the past. History. History. It's just These history. are facts. These are things that actually happen. You, you got moms for liberty trying to avoid. And it, but I'm like, why are you sending your kid to a public institution if you want to control their curriculum? Right, that's a whole nother story. So, so, so my point, <laughs> I guess my point overall is this, yeah. man. Like, I, I would say we lost our way, but I'm starting to realize that we adopted morals and values if they served a purpose. Well, yeah, I'll quote the Mandalorian: "This is the way." You know, Malcolm does a great job of exposing the hip- hypocrisy of the American ideals. Mm-hmm. But when you really take a look at it, this is what it was constructed to accomplish and, and to do. It's, it's, it is a, a propaganda machine for the purposes right. of power and, and, you know, militaristic economic dominance, mm-hmm. you know. So I'm not surprised necessarily. It's just the, the, the thing that disappoints me in, in the sense of like, OK, so if I look at progress, how, you know, progress is stagnated or hindered on either side, whether it's Republican or Democrat, I would say it's clear to see that progress is stymied by the Republican Party because of the rhetoric and the boogeyman language and ultimately like the the indifference to the outcry of pain and suffering from those who are experiencing it. Mm-hmm. So that's clear to see from the Republican Party. On the Democratic side, we're back to Malcolm's illustration where the uh, progress is stymied by the periodic self-righteous celebrations over very small, I guess, pockets of solutions. So they would be the ones who would literally stop the train of progress because six-inch six knife is better than nine-inch knife. So they're, they're, they're so invested and focused around celebrating the little bit that may have been done to lessen the pain in some ways. And that's, that stagnation can last decades. Yeah. You know, so it's like we don't need to do any more because we can spend so much time celebrating what was done. I mean, think about the mentality that you have to have in order to have that posture towards another person. Yeah. who has harmed you, who has abused you. So to consider it merciful, mm-hmm. right, for them to take the knife out a little bit, but not just, or June take teeth. it all the way out. Here you go, and Juneteenth. I, and, I mean, at some point when it comes to our government and when it comes to our representatives, we got to get a bit indignant mm-hmm. and, and because we're human. That's right. But that's so, even the emotional complexity of, of, 
trying to make that case and not being heard or being disregarded because there's a fatigue associated with this pursuit of justice or the pursuit of, of progress to where you, you, you maybe identify, there's an identifiable goal in the progression of justice. Mm-hmm. It's not just like we're going to solve the whole thing in one fell swoop. You know, there's like, we can do this thing. But if you get, if you get stuck on the party around accomplishing this one thing, then it could feel like we're back to square one talking about dignity. You thought this was all we wanted? You thought this is all we were about? Mm-hmm. You know, we just wanted a, a national holiday to to lament <laughs> about something terrible. And, and, and yet there's a party because, so the fatigue, I mentioned that because there is a measurable fatigue since the George Floyd moment, mm-hmm. you know, where there was this initial burst of energy and corporations and companies were coming out like Black Lives Matter and and people were rioting in certain cities and putting picket signs in their lawn that had never said a thing about black liberation from that moment. Of course, the, the, the conditions probably caused some of that initial emotional reaction because people were trapped in the house, but that wasn't sustainable. It wasn't sustainable. So you push through maybe this piece of legislation that, that gives a mulligan, but then the real legislation that is, is impactful that people have been looking to pass as a result of what happened to George Floyd is dead in the water. Right. You know, so again, we're celebrating six inch knife versus nine inch knife, or I guess I'll give a mulligan. We took, we got the knife all the way out in some ways. I don't believe we did, but it, it is not worth celebrating. It is not worth the, the, the stymied trajectory of progress, which says now we got to look at some of the deeper issues, to your point, about what caused this. Right. If I'm going to get as far as taking you to the hospital, then we now have to look at the hospital system and the way that they care for injured victims like you. Mm-hmm. You know, like, will you receive the same level of care mm-hmm. as another participant? With the same level of access. And, and how will you pay for it? Right. You know, how will you address the the way that you live your life going forward? Because right, you just stabbed me in the back, but you took away my ability to make any income to be able to pay for this hospital bill. What about the recovery process? What if you hit a major nerve and one of my legs don't work anymore? I mean, the, 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 it's one of those, like, illustration just, just keeps going. It keeps going because it's... And, and the fact of the matter is we're still at the six-inch knife mm-hmm. because there will be people who say, what's well, better than it was before? You know, it's <laughs> it's not you can't go get a drink of water. I'll thank God, but I won't thank you, right? Damn. Because I think that's what they get confused. Aren't you grateful? Yeah, grateful to God, not to you, though, because you didn't do anything. It's almost like the expression that we used to use, like, what, you want a cookie? You did what you were supposed to do. Reasonable service. Right. Reasonable service. And and yet you want me to stop and have a party with you, you know, like, okay, you guys put on a bunch of Kenty cloth and kneel for 10 minutes in, in, in the places where, you know, different forms of legislation get decided. Right. And, and what do you want us to do as, as a result of that? Malcolm's illustration, I think, is profound. And, and, and this is a quote he said in many places. Mm-hmm. Um because I think it kind of gets a root at the conscience of America, you know, or. Yeah. Cause I think at this point we're at a place where people won't even acknowledge the wound. They, they're yeah. almost denying that the knife was ever in the, in the bag. And that's his point. Yep. That's his point. And you know, <laughs> it's just true. 
It's just true. Again, we're back to the whole educating folks in school because here's the thing. We can we can have a certain view of our elected officials right now. This is why, you know, the the whole conversation around what we educate our kids about is so important. We can keep kicking against the wall with these same politicians who've been there for generations or we can educate new ones and who who have access to new creative uh, mechanisms that their imagination may work differently if they're taught differently. So we can hope for progress in the young minds who gain this information and maybe have a sense of compassion and humility to design something different by the time they become of age. And that's a generational effect. All we have to do is teach them what happened. And then we get to, we don't have to keep arguing with the same senators and the same Congress people and the same presidents. There will be new minds who say, wow, this happened in our country. You know, has anybody done anything? This is people, I mean, this is most people's reaction to Malcolm X. Like, oh, that's who he really was? That's what he really said? Oh, he he wasn't like pro-violence. He was pro-self-defense. Man, the parallels are crazy, man, because this is people's reaction to Christ. Yeah. You know, like, so someone says, I'm not a Christian because X, Y, Z. And it's like, have you read the Gospels? Yep. You know, like, did you know this was said, this was addressed, and this was the actual uh, social circumstance where this was going on. Well, no, I didn't hear any of that. I heard propaganda and rhetoric, which totally turned me off to the idea of being found in the community of faith. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, well, let me reintroduce you mm-hmm. <laughs> to the actual word that that gives you a fully formed perspective around whether or not you choose to follow him or you reject him. Yeah. But don't because, just reject an idea. And that's our problem. We're swift to make judgment without having all the facts, right? Yeah. Without, especially, you know, right, let's wait for all the facts. But we don't do our due diligence, the hypocrisy of saying when someone is gunned down, you know, we need to wait for all the facts. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm sympathetic to that, to that notion. Um, but at the same time, I don't see that apply anywhere else. But again, that, to, that it, value, again, though, that value is brought up when it's convenient. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm about to say, I'm I'm sympathetic to it in good faith. Right. If you're really going to go look and you're really going to, like, actually try to form a, like, a balanced perspective. But when all the facts come in, what is it? It's dismissed as a uh, one-time thing or as sort of this thing that's on the outside, right? It's it's not really, okay, so once you get all the facts, what are you going to do with all the facts? I'm waiting for the facts to justify the opinion I already have. Right. And if they don't, then I'm going to say that this is an exception, not the norm, right? I'm not going to, because you would assume they never end up actually casting judgment because the judgment would create a narrative that that is not comfortable or expedient for them. That would actually change the way that they look at our society, uh, that would change the way that they look at our nation. And would just change the way they view America, right? That American pride that says, like, this is a place where anybody can do anything. To some extent, that is true. But there are a lot more barriers for a certain subset of people. Sometimes they're African-American. Sometimes it's simply poor people, period. Mm-hmm. Right? That's right. And That's America, right. in a lot of ways, I have to say this, it's not because of capitalism, right? Mm. It's not because it's, it's this, this is what you see isn't pure capitalism. Because capitalism has never existed in America. Martin Luther King was right about this. It's socialism for the rich and capitalism for everybody else. 
right? The amount of money that America has given away and, and the amount of things that America has subsidized, we don't live in a capitalist country. country. America is not a capitalist nation. You're going to have to save this one for another episode because I got a whole lot to say. It, I mean, capitalism is, when it's applied subjectively in this country, deserves the critique that it's getting. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, that's, that's honestly what we're talking about is we're talking about a, a perspective that we have from the place that we sit and the experience that we're currently in. And again, like, you know, it, it's like these polarizing, the, the solution is the Democratic Party. The solution is the Republican Party. The solution is socialism. The solution is, cap, it's like these, these false dichotomies. And what is the more excellent way? Because clearly you guys have no real investment in change, right. in actual progress. Right. So what causes the, the hesitation for, for folks to actually, in good faith, look for all the facts is the fact that you're going to have to act once you see what's actually happening. And you can... Well, you're going to have to think first. Well, you got right? to think Because you got to come up with a solution. Man, I'm, see, again, like you're, you're at six-inch knife. Yep. Think... If that's the, that's the first level, all you got to do is think. We're, we're not even thinking. Man, yet. keep the knife all the way in nine inches. I don't even want to see. I don't even see a victim right now. Yep. You know, and that's Malcolm's point. So I, I love this quote, not just for what it contains, but for the, the numerous ways that it can, it can apply, you know, because at the end of the day, for particularly for Christ followers, we're, we're actually called to action in, in ways that we don't feel like are associated with Christ's mission. And this is where you get into the whole justice conversation. What does it mean to actively engage in justice as a follower of Christ? Because you got the separatists who say, all we're supposed to do is stay away from evil. <laughs> and then you have the activists who say, no, we actually have to participate in remaking society to bring glory to God. And, and all of that discussion around the complexity of that is fine, you know, and we may not see, the, see, see things the same way, but what we should be unified on is what's true, what has actually happened. And if, that, if we can't get to that place where you said earlier of dignity, which is what black people seem to always be contending for, then, man, how can we trust the social circumstances that we're in? Let's wrap it up on this. Like, why do you think it's so hard for black people to receive any level of explicit restitution or repair as it relates to the experience that we've had in this country as a people? I mean, look, the first thing that comes to my mind is, is it would cause people to have to literally redefine America in their minds. Like you, you have to revisit all of history mm-hmm. in order to address it to the level that it needs to be addressed. You, you're asking generations of people to give up their dream and their idea of America mm-hmm. in order for this to be a society wide effect. And I don't think that people want it. Like they'll violently fight for their version of patriotism, mm-hmm. you know, and this, this global application of how we are seen in the world or how we affect the rest of the world's ideas of democracy and fairness and equity. When you tell people like, oh no, you have to redefine that. Like they're going to just fight for what they think should be the view and the it's reputation, bro. 
at the end of the day, like if if you tell me that I am a hero for all of these things that I've done, it's like a conversation we were having in another in another regard. It's it's like the superhero who does all the things. Right. But then the huge egregious thing that they have done also has to be contextualized with the heroic acts. Mm-hmm. It changes your view of the hero. Right. And you don't get to just look at him as a hero no more. Right. And I think that America desperately wants to be seen as a hero in a certain regard. Yeah. We don't have to disregard the good things for the the really messy and ugly truth, but the truth should be in there. One country that I always look at as as a result of this is this kind of brutal honesty that affects the image and reputation is Germany. Mm-hmm. You know, like you, you've got to bear the image that people conceive of you because of the acts that you have done. Yeah. I mean, and this is a part of the fabric of America, right? Like Germany had to own what they did. They made restitution, right, for what took place during the Holocaust. And as a country... We don't think about Germany in that same light. We know we know the old Germany, right? It's almost like an old Germany and a new Germany. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that way about Germany, even though I know that yeah. it just happened like what sixty years ago because they addressed it, they they acknowledged it, they addressed it, and then they moved on. And I think that this is what America has refused to do. There was a uh, um, podcast Jasmine and I were listening to about this small town in Kentucky. They have this reputation. And the mayor was interviewed and he was simply, because I think they ran a bunch of black workers out of town. Curfew. Yeah. And, and so they ran a bunch of black workers out of town, like in the 1920, like around 1920. And the mayor said that he was at this sort of U.S. postal convention or something like that. And this guy was kind of showing them the ropes on how to do multiple different things. And this was in the 80s. And the guy uh, happened to be black who was giving presentation and he was very generous. He was like, you know, if you guys don't understand this, I'll come to your town. But he looked at the mayor. He's like, but I won't come to such and such Kentucky. <laughs> he was like, I ain't coming there. And hmm. and but what the whole episode was about was their failure to acknowledge mm. what they had done. Mm. There's all these different types of narratives. Like, you know, the the most popular one was that some black black workers came into town and started causing trouble. And, you know, the white white people ran them out of town. But that's not actually what happened. Mm. That these men were innocent and they got, like, threatened and, and pushed out of town. And, and someone may have actually gotten killed in this particular circumstance. Whatever it was, it was awful. Mm. And black people avoided it to the point where their population, even today, is only, like, 1% or 2% black, African-American. Mm. And the and the only black people that are there are black people. I think that came up from the coast after Hurricane Katrina. And this and this brother was like, I had no idea, you know that that this was what this you know particular town. So when I tell people that I live here, you know, this one girl said that she was riding with her mom, and and this is how you know they know, even though they don't acknowledge it, they know. She said she was riding with her mom. They car they had a flat tire. African. She was from this town. An African American man helped them out. They got in the car. He was really nice. And he asked me, hey, where y'all from? Her mom didn't tell him where he was from. Her mom <laughs> right. told him she was like 20 miles, some town 20 miles north. And she was like, she just kind of quietly looked at her mom like, why y'all want to tell this man where we're from? Yeah. And that's when she knew. Mm. I look at America's refusal to fully acknowledge, I think partly because they would have to admit, to your point, who America, what America is, but I think... I think it's deeper than that, especially for people who lived in the South, because the South, again, is oftentimes blamed. We're going to talk about that actually in the next episode. Mm -hmm. But I think that they're going to have to acknowledge 
their heritage. Well, um, and, and to wrap it up, like I, I you know, I just kind of can make this personal. What you're actually educated on affects what you do, you know, because knowing you five years ago, doing a, pal- a podcast about Malcolm X would have been out of the question. Yeah, what happened? But M- mostly because I just didn't know, right? I was limited to your point by lack of knowledge. And actually taking the time to find out, to be educated, 100%. to be resourced and gets us to this table today mm-hmm. because it's worth knowing. It's worth telling yep. other people about it. 100%. So, I, you know, education to me, like, you know, what do I do with this sentiment? Like, you know, what's the takeaway to practice? You know, I would advocate for this information being taught in schools, you know, because you, you can say there's risk associated that. Well, there's risk now. In, in association with nationalism and a false view of, of who right. Christ is in a lot of these conservative spaces. And so I don't want to hear about risk. You know what I'm saying? And, and I, I won't get in any more trouble than that. <laughs> well, oh, I got to end with this. And, and I promise you we're done. This is <laughs> ignoring history is how you get January 6th. Because, okay. because you yes. have all of these white people thinking that they're the victims being black because they don't know. It, they, they don't know, so they just think that, oh, all these, like, subgroups are popping up and all these people. No, we're the oppressed ones because we're just minding our own business. We didn't do anything. We're innocent. And we're just, be, you know, as a black man, right, I'm sensitive even, even though I feel like black men, this is a whole nother conversation, but black men oftentimes atone for the sins of white men or are punished for the sins of white men, mm-hmm. that white men. Because white men have mm-hmm. always been the most powerful class, quote unquote, mm-hmm. in this country. And, I, and the class thing, I, I have my qualms with it, but in Amer- I didn't create it, America did, right? America made those distinctions. We wouldn't be having conversations about races and classes if America didn't create those things. So I'm using what, what this country <laughs> created, right? And at a time, I'm about to wrap this up. <laughs> but but, but I, I, I got to say this, man, because I, I think it's important. I, I think that we're in a particular time where if you keep people from actually learning and knowing the history, you will create a generation that doesn't understand, that can't sympathize, and feels as if they're being blamed for something that they're not really responsible for. And to some extent, I'm sympathetic to that ignorance. And, and I know that there are a lot of individuals who were raised like I was raised who were given access to limited curriculum, limited information. And for whatever reason, they've never opened up a book and actually done the investigating on their own. And I think that, that posture, we've all done that at some point in our lives. We've all been complicit in not investigating, but being prejudiced, right? And it's not okay to stay there. But there is a certain level of, man, I feel bad. Even though the information is readily available, I still do feel a little bad for you. I mean, to be fair, I'm I'm probably 90, 10 on the pie chart. 90, don't feel bad, but 10, right where you're at. You're a pastor. You can't help it. I will tithe that 10% to that compassion. When when you meet one and you hear a story, you'll be like, dang, man, I feel bad. Oh, I've met him. It's ignorant. Trust me. I met him. (laughs) Unfortunately, your ignorance means my pain. Right. And and so that's why it's not all sympathy. But I do think think that 
if we're going to engage well, right? So I, here's my final point. If we're going to engage well and actually reach across the aisle and help these individuals, it's not our job to help these individuals, but it is our job to engage, right? We're not trying to spoon feed nobody, but if we're going to actually engage, because what we lack in our society more than anything else is civility. So if we can at least understand sure. how if the script was flipped, we could easily be in their place and in their situation. Sure. We cannot treat them like a human. We treat them like they're all bad and all evil. And there's yeah. a story there. As long as we Unfor- can. Unfortunately, we're always in the position where we're having to learn the story. But, that, but that's, Unfor- that's, that's as reality. long as we can acknowledge that civility is not justice. Oh, no, civility as, is not just as long as we can we can start that way because I, I, I totally hear what you're saying and yeah. and I know the heart behind it. So it's it's worth it. It's worth engaging with you know both of our eyes open and being honest about where we hope to go. Yeah. We'll talk so. some more. I'm looking forward to diving back. I, I'm not done, but I but I, I gotta no, be done. No, you're not done. No, I, we we definitely <laughs> not done. <laughs> All right, thanks for tuning in. To Make It Plain, for more resources related to Malcolm X, please visit our website, makeitplain.co, where you can subscribe to the show at Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, Radio Public, Google, or via RSS, and never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, again, we'd appreciate a rating on Apple and Spotify. Our goal is to have 300 ratings on Apple Podcasts and 100 ratings on Spotify. You can also share the podcast with a friend. Also, be sure to visit our website and download our free resource, Make It Plain Season 1 Discussion Guide. The Season 2 Discussion Guide is coming soon, uh, and we'll make sure we just send that to you guys when it's ready. Join us next week as we continue our reflections on the words and life of Malcolm X. Peace out. Peace out.